You're listening to another EY podcast. Hello and welcome to EY's IFRA 17 podcast series. My name is Kevin Griffith and I'm EY's global insurance IFRS lead based in London. I'm working with a number of clients around the globe on IFRS 17 implementation. I'm also a member of the ISB's Transition Resource Group on IFRS 17. This group, TRG, is one of the ways in which the ISB supports implementation of IFRS 17. Implementing IFRS 17 with EY, the podcast series aiming to help you understand the possible technical and operational issues of the new international accounting standard of insurance contracts. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the tentative amendments to IFRS 17. Throughout this podcast series, we'll be asking a number of EY's global insurance professionals to discuss key topics and interpretive issues in IFRS 17 and to consider the implementation approaches and challenges that the new standard presents. In today's episode, we will discuss some of the tentative amendments to IFRS 17 with Connor Geraghty. Conne is a director in our insurance accounting advisory practice and has previously been seconded to the ISB to support the development of IFRS 17. Hello, Conor, and welcome. Thanks, Kevin. I'm very pleased to be here. So, Conor, in October 2018, the ISB discussed whether it would be appropriate to consider amending IFRS 17 as a result of 25 concerns and implementation challenges that were raised by various stakeholders. At the same time, the ISB agreed with the staff on the criteria that the board should apply to assess whether an issue could potentially give rise to a change in the standard or not. What has happened since? Well, that's a good question. In the month since October 2018, the ISB staff have presented more detailed analyses of the 25 topics and have made recommendations on whether the potential changes to the standard meet the agreed criteria for an amendment. The ISB has now discussed all of the topics at its monthly board meetings from November 2018 to March 2019. Thanks, Conan. What are the topics where the ISB has tentatively agreed to make changes to the standard? Are they of a purely technical nature? Oh, actually not, Kevin. The 25 topics originally raised in the ISB staff papers in October covered many aspects of RFS 17, including scope, measurement, presentation, the effective date and transition. Over the past few months, we have seen that the ISB has tentatively agreed to make changes on nine of the 25 topics initially raised. Not all of those topics are of a technical accounting nature. In fact, one of the first topics that was discussed in November 2018 was the effective date of IFRS 17. At that meeting, the ISB tentatively decided to amend the effective date to apply to reporting periods beginning on or after the 1st of January. 2022. In other words, the board proposes a deferral of the standard by one year. At the same meeting, the ISB tentatively decided to propose an amendment to IFRS 4 to allow insurers qualifying for deferral of IFRS 9, that's the financial instrument standard, one additional year of deferral. This would mean that qualifying insurers could apply both standards for the first time in reporting periods beginning on or after the 1st of January 2022. That's certainly a very important change. So did the ISB explain why they tentatively decided to change the effective date before they concluded on the extent and nature of other changes they were going to make to the standard? Yes, Kevin. And the ISB staff provided a list of arguments both for and against a delay. One of the reasons behind the tentative decision to defer the effective date of IFRS 17 
was that the process of developing changes to the standard, exposure to public comment and re-deliberation by the ISB could take at least a year. ISB board members acknowledge that, pragmatically, a delay of a year is necessary because of uncertainty arising from the board's decision to explore potential changes to the standard. They recognise that planning and budgeting processes within companies require certainty before allocating resources between competing projects. In the end, uncertainty over the timelines could cause insurers to pause their preparations for IFRS 17 implementation. So in other words, is the delay to IFRS 17 consistent with the ISB's requirements that any changes to the standard will not risk any undue delay to its implementation? Well, well, that's right. The board members noted that limiting the deferral to one year should serve as a signal to the market not to stop its implementation activities. Yeah, you raise a really good point there, Connor. We've seen that insurers have responded in different ways to this deferral announcement. So some insurers have decided to keep going with their current implementation plans because the delay is limited to only one year. And so they may use the extra time in future to complete work that otherwise would not have been possible, but they've decided to keep their current plans and not risk the loss of momentum or stakeholder buying to the project. Some other insurers have decided to rephase activities. So for example, an extra year may allow them more time to build their solutions and to perform proper dry runs and remediation and really to give some scope to use more internal resources. But then there's a third group where we've also observed that some insurers have taken the riskier path to either slow down or pause their IFRS 17 project. Insurers taking this approach may be particularly resource constrained or may be distracted by other important projects. Yes, I think that's right. Shall I move on and explain to the audience which other topics the ISB has discussed so far? Yes, please do so. At its meeting in December 2018, the ISB considered potential changes to 13 of the 25 topics. These topics were all of a technical accounting nature. The outcome of the meeting was that the board rejected 12 potential changes to the standard, while it tentatively decided to make one change. Can you provide us more details about this one change? Well, the board tentatively decided to amend the requirement for an entity to present on the face of the balance sheet groups of contracts that are assets separately from groups of contracts that are liabilities. The change that the board proposes will allow the presentation to be done at a higher level of aggregation, namely at the portfolio level. I would like to remind the audience here that a portfolio of insurance contracts is defined as an insurance contract subject to similar risks and managed together. And what was the rationale for this change, Connor? If we look at how IFRS 17 is drafted today, then we see the standard currently requires separate presentation of groups of contracts in an asset or liability position at the reporting date. A group of contracts comprises contracts divided by portfolio, the period of issue, and the expected level of profitability at initial recognition. The asset or liability position of a group of contracts is determined by the cash flows received and paid, and revenue and expenses are recognised. Providing this information therefore requires the identification of premium receipts, claim and expense payments and revenue earned by IFRS 17 Group. So reporting at this level of granularity is likely to create some operational complexity. I expect that many insurers will manage and record the receipts of premiums and the payment of claims and of expenses on systems that are separate from their policy administration systems. Would you agree with this? Yes, Kevin, that's the point here. 
So I can see that policy administration systems would maintain records by insurance contracts and are therefore likely to generate the information necessary to determine the carrying amount of liabilities by groups of contracts. But at the same time, cash management systems tend to operate at a higher level of aggregation and are often disconnected from the policy administration systems. That's right. And as a result, many insurers have commented that developing cash management systems that provide a link from cash flows to groups of contracts would be very expensive. And in their opinion, the costs far outweigh any benefits to users of the financial statements. The ISB has acknowledged this cost-benefit trade-off by proposing to amend the standard, as I explained before. The ISB considers that it would be easier for insurers to associate premium and outstanding claims to portfolios of contracts than to groups. At the same time, the ISB acknowledged that in its view, any potential loss of information arising from netting of groups in an asset and liability position is acceptable when balanced against the significant cost relief. Great. And what about the ISB meeting in January? I seem to recall that this was quite an important meeting where the board tentatively decided to make quite a few changes to IFRS 17. Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right, Kevin. At the January 2019 meeting, the board considered a further five issues and tentatively decided to amend the standard to reflect four of these. In summary, the board tentatively decided to make changes to the standard with respect of the deferral of insurance acquisition cash flows for renewals that are outside the contract boundary, the accounting for reinsurance contracts held when underlying insurance contracts are onerous, extending the scope of the risk mitigation exception in the variable fee approach to include financial risk mitigation through reinsurance contracts and entity holds, and fourthly, the recognition of the contractual service margin in profit or loss under the general model when contracts contain investment components. Okay, that's quite a list. So let's start with the first one. And it sounds like that point around deferral of acquisition cash flows raises the question of contract boundaries. Yes, and this topic was the number one topic discussed in some markets, including Australia, where the accounting of step premium yearly renewable term insurance contracts was the focus of industry discussions for many months. So where did the ISB tentatively land during its January meeting with regard to this topic? Well, in essence, the board agreed with the staff recommendation to require an entity to allocate to anticipated contract renewals parts of insurance acquisition cash flows that are directly attributable to newly issued contracts and to recognise an asset until the renewed contracts are recognised. Okay, and what about the recoverability of such an asset? Did the staff propose any recoverability test? Yes, and the board agreed to require an entity to assess the recoverability of the asset recognised in each reporting period before the related contracts are recognised. Consequently, an entity needs to recognise in profit or loss any unrecoverable amounts and reversals of such losses in subsequent periods if the impairment conditions no longer exist or have improved. I expect that this change could have quite substantial impacts on the application of IFRS 17 by some insurers. What did the ISB have to say about this? Well, actually, several board members expressed concerns about the risk of manipulation or errors in allocating acquisition cash flows to contract renewals, as this will allow the recognition of expenses to be shifted to future periods. However, in the end, there was broad agreement amongst the board members that the proposal better reflects the economics of an insurer paying commissions and expectations of renewals. And board members acknowledge that estimating cash flows and the allocation of cash flows to groups of contracts are integral parts of the standard. 
Thank you, Connor. Unfortunately, we now seem to have run out of time today. But can I suggest that we catch up over another episode to discuss the remaining amendments that the board tentatively agreed to? Yes, of course. Thank you, Connor. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. As always, we'd welcome your feedback and your suggested topics for future IFRS 17 podcasts. You can email us at financialservices at au.ey.com. That's financialservices, all one word, at au.ey.com. This has been another EY podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.